Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. And well, good morning, church family. So good to see you on this beautiful September morning. And as Wes mentioned, this is a a special day for us as a church family as September launches our new ministry year. And excited for what God has for us this coming year. Next Sunday will be Vision Sunday, and that's when we'll unveil the theme that we sense God leading us into for this new year and some initiatives and just pumped to, uh, to hit that. But today, we start the year with a declaration of dependence. And I love the, just the, uh, the idea of our only hope this coming year is the help of our Lord. And so as we seek to do what he's called us to do and to follow him into the, the beautiful future that he has prepared, we do so on our knees in prayer. And so, so church family, we'll be talking about prayer, be equipped to with prayer this morning or how to pray and hopefully just stoke our passion to be praying. But we're actually going to spend some time praying and just worshiping together in in this hour. And so throughout this year, one of the nudges was to focus on prayer. And we uh, so there's a series that we're going to call it Praying Like, and we're going to weave this throughout the, the year. There'll be different messages that will just um, bring us back to this this foundational practice of, of praying. And today we're just going to start with the, our leader and start with the one that we follow in Jesus. And the challenge is that we would pray like Christ or pray like Jesus. It was uh, several years ago, we were flying down a mountain road at four o'clock in the morning, a mountain road in Colorado. And uh, we were on our way. We, I had one passion, and it was Denver, to get to Denver. Why? Because there was oxygen in Denver. And you say, why was oxygen such a big deal? We had been up at Winter Park skiing and 10,000 feet above sea level. We had heard that, you know, limited oxygen when you get up high is, can be an issue, but, but think, hey, we're good, no big, no big deal. But come to find out, that's no joke. And when you go another 2,000 feet up, to the uh, top of the mountain, limited oxygen, it can leave you winded, it can uh, create like this low-grade nausea or headache feeling, or over time, it can even lead to altitude sickness, which can can lead to death, actually. So we were doing okay, but a couple days in, Tam began to feel sick one evening, and then it just hit her really hard in the middle of the night. She was sick all night. I checked the weather, and here comes a storm that's going to sh- could shut down the roads on this mountain. With my wife potentially being sick, needing help, and not having the help she needed, the decision was easy. We left the kids on the mountain. We took off, <laughs> loaded her up in the car, and she was sleeping by my side, but it was down that mountain. And I cannot tell you the relief, as I still can see the lights of Denver descending quickly into that oxygen-rich city. And getting a hotel room and watching my wife come alive again as she was breathing the oxygen that she needed. Prayer is the breath of the soul. It's what creates the oxygen or, or brings the oxygen that, that we need. In the spiritual realm, we can grow winded, we can grow weak, we can grow 
even sick spiritually when prayer is not a part of, of our lives. And so you would, as you would expect, Jesus, as we watch him live, prayer marked his life. And as followers of Christ, our passion is to follow him, to live our lives the way that, that he lived. And just, you, you think about, um, through the Gospels, his craving for communion with his father. He would wake up early in the morning and get away to a quiet place. And, or um, before a big decision, you know, he's spending a night in prayer. He's, it's part of the regular routine. We know in the, the Jewish culture, three times a day they would pause for prayer. At meals, it was a time just to give thanks and, and pray. He would pray privately, pray publicly, would pray in the, the synagogues at worship times. But prayer marked his life. And so it's no surprise that we hear, um, and as we think about prayer, often it, it can become something that we consider a religious duty. But what is prayer really is a commitment to, to loving God. It, it's the relationship that, that's at the core of it. And Jesus loved his Father with a perfect love. And so we, we see prayer marking his life. And it's no surprise that his disciples would ask him, teach us to pray. How, teach us to pray. And so what God gives us in his word, as Jesus explains and teaches us to pray, is one of the, the most precious gifts, I think, that we have. And we'll read from um, one of those places that he speaks into prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13 today. And this will be our, our guide and our template through the morning. If you would join me there, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Interesting, as Jesus, even before he gets into the, the how to pray, begins with our hearts. And it reminds us that this is about a relationship. It's not um, about a religious duty, a checklist, but it's just about coming to the, the one who loves us, the one that we love, and it's talking with him. And as we pray, always to be asking, am I doing this for others, um, to, to impress others with my relationship with God? Is this something that, um, I'm thinking, and it's hard, isn't it, when we pray publicly, I know we want to pray in a way that's helpful for those around us, but to just ask God to give us an authentic heart, to just be talking with Him, not worried about how this is making us look. But then um, he goes on after this to give us a conversation guide. And this is a familiar uh, text, but I would encourage us in a familiar prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but just to ask God to, to see it afresh. And there are five, uh, I'll call them conversation guides that, that frame this prayer. And we'll allow these guides to lead us through the morning. The first one is, or I'll read through the whole prayer and then we'll come back to this first guide. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
And so the first prayer guideline that we'll allow to lead us this morning is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The picture that I see here is of coming home as we're coming into the presence of our Father, the one who loves us. And we're, uh, notice each word I think is, it's packed with truth, but also hope. But he starts with our Father. In our Western culture, we're, we tend towards individualism. It's me and God. But right from the start, he reminds us, it's not me and God, it's, it's we and God. It's our Father. We, we are a part of a family. But then with the word Father, he, he breaks down the, the barrier of uh, where we might be afraid to enter the presence of a holy God and reminds us that through Christ, we can come to him as Abba, as Father, as, as our Dad, and, and speak with him with reverence and honor, but also with an intimacy and, and familiar as a child. He says, our Father in heaven. And I just love the way he lifts our eyes to our home, you know, and life down here can get heavy, can it? All we see is earth. It's visible. We live under the curse here on earth. And right at the start, he just says, hey, look up, lift up your eyes to where your citizenship is, to where you belong, our Father in heaven. And then he says, hallowed be your name. With this first line, it's as if he aligns our soul to what we were created to do. He calls us up out of the insanity of our pride that wants to hallow our name or make much of our name and into that sweet spot of humility that we've been pursuing this year, which is simply to make much of his name. And think about all the things that wear you out in life, create anxiety. It it's really boils down to, man, my name. You know, am I looking good? Am I this or that? And he, he pulls us up out of all of that and back to that central purpose for our lives, which is worship, created by God, for God, to bring glory to him. And in that, we, we bring delight to him, but also delight to our own souls and taste the joy of, of what we were created to do. What a gift God has given us in this. So each word in this first line, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, gives us a reason to rejoice and, and calls us into praise. So we're just going to sing a couple songs now in response and, and in prayer, praising his name together. The greatness of your 
second guideline that our Lord gives us as we pray is he says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and as we pray that can you feel the hope that just throbs out of out of that prayer you think about where we live and, and as Jesus prayed that where he was and we live in a world that's marked by the curse where the kingdom of God is not and yet as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's as if we're seeing every place in our life, in our own hearts, but in, the, in our families, in our homes, in our community, in our world, where there is, um, there is hurt, there is pain, there is a lack of peace, a lack of joy, a lack of whatever um, w- would reflect heaven. And we're praying, Lord, would you let your kingdom invade that place? Would you let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven? Man, I tell you, it's, it's easy to let despair get into our hearts, isn't it? Or even to just think, hey, it's just going to get worse till the Lord comes back. But what God is calling us to as we pray right here from the start is to say, pray with this hope and know this, that I am alive. The king is reigning and he is building his kingdom. Jesus is building his church that, that he is advancing, that lives are being changed, and that he has called us, his people, to pray his kingdom down where it is not. To pray with that kind of faith, with that kind of boldness, with that kind of hope and confidence. Your kingdom come. 
and where this tear is falling and where this family is being ripped apart, God, would you let your peace and your comfort invade those hearts, wrap them up. Where there is an addiction that's holding me bondage or someone bondage, would, would you let your kingdom come to that place? And just think about the power of the praying church, his people praying this simple prayer. Let your kingdom come. You say, well, what is, what, what's that mean though? Like what, what's it look like for his kingdom to come? And he answers that in this very prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God comes wherever his will is done. And where do we know what his will is? It's through his word. But that's what we're praying. Lord, would your will be done? And as this past year, as we were watching Jesus live as the model humility of humility, what was, he was constantly concerned about doing the will of the Father. And it just marveled me to think that um, here he is God, and yet his passion was, what's the Father's will in this situation? It's amazing all the things Jesus didn't do in his life. But he did the will of the Father. That was success. And so for us, that's as we pray this prayer, same thought is, what is success for me today? It's your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my heart, that I would live according to your word. This prayer really leads us into the throne room of our king, doesn't it? And just leads us to that place of surrender and yielding to him. And so we'll take a moment now and just allow you to pray a prayer of surrender as you talk to the Lord and, and then I'll close and we'll, we'll sing another song. Father, our hearts are just so full of joy and gratitude to be citizens of your kingdom and to know that you rule and reign this morning. And Lord, our prayer is that your kingdom would come, beginning with us in our hearts, that your will would be done, that we would uh, surrender to you in every situation, Lord, that we would seek your will. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, to be a part of bringing your kingdom to the broken places in this world. And just pray that you would allow your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. my 
guideline that our Lord gives us in this prayer is simply give us today our daily bread. And it's here the image of a dinner table forms before us. And I picture us sitting at the table, invited there by our Father, and before us is a a big white plate that's empty. And he invites us to pass the plate to him and then ask him to fill it with what we need to sustain us for that day. As you look ahead to the day today, and I know one of the things the Lord taught us was don't worry about tomorrow, take, take life in 24 chunks, 24-hour chunks, and, which is hard for us to do as humans, but this is life in his kingdom, and it's interesting that even here in, as he's teaching us to pray, I think he gives us a gentle reminder, hey, just take it in 24-hour chunks. <laughs> the Father's got you tomorrow, but, but today... He calls us to ask for what we need. Interesting. Not to just assume that God will give it, but go ahead and ask for it. And he's, other places you have not because you ask not. So what do you need today? As you think about your life, what is it that you need? And he says, all right, ask the Father to, to, to fill it up. Fill up your plate. Provide what you need. Father, I need strength. It's a big day today. I need rest. Maybe today is Sabbath for you. I need wisdom. I have an important meeting coming. I need love. I need kindness as I interact with this person or have this crucial conversation. I just need your help. I'm tired, weary. I need comfort. I need encouragement. I need financial provision. I need a friend. I need connection in my life, belonging. Give us today our daily bread. It was a light bulb moment for me in my faith journey when I realized that helplessness, that sense of helplessness that you get every once in a while where you're just like, I'm at my wit's end, I can't fix or 
sustain myself in a way, the way that I need sustained is actually a gift from God meant to lead us into greater intimacy with Him. And I know, I, I know we all feel this. I don't know if you feel the same. I just hate that feeling. <laughs> I try to, you know, do whatever I can not to feel helpless or ignore it, deny it, just uh, run from it. It's the last thing I want to feel. But what I've learned, and it was through a, this author, O'Hallisby, in his book on prayer, helplessness is actually a precious gift from God meant to lead us into prayer and intimacy with him. And he sums this up in a couple places in his book on prayer. But uh, one of the places, he says it this way, do not be anxious because of your helplessness. Above all, do not let it prevent you from praying. Helplessness is the real secret and impelling power of prayer. You should therefore rather try to thank God for the feeling of helplessness which he has given you. It is one of the greatest gifts God can impart to us. For it is only when we are helpless that we open our hearts to Jesus and let him help us in our distress according to his grace and mercy. He says, prayer therefore consists simply in telling God day by day in what ways we are helpless. Isn't that great? So as you put your plate out before him, it's just simply saying, Lord, here's where I am helpless <laughs> in this situation. And as we do, the power of God is uh, made available. We are moved to pray every time the Spirit of God emphasizes anew to us our helplessness and we realize how impotent we are by nature to believe, to love, to hope, to serve, to sacrifice, to suffer, to read the Bible, to pray, and to struggle against our sinful desires. It's when I feel helpless that he is inviting me and inviting when we feel helpless, he invites us into his presence. And that's when he provides more than enough, isn't it? He is so faithful to provide. And so we'll take a moment to uh, just um, go ahead and, and uh, give you a chance to ask him for what you need. And, and then Doug Wicker will wrap up our time, leading us in a time of, of corporate worship as, as we pray. Father, we come to you this morning and with just great awe that all of the things, all of the blessings that you have poured out over us, Lord, that you have provided for us. And we look back at how you have given us exactly what we need. Lord, I, I think of the ability to live in a country where we are free to honor and worship and glorify you. We live in a community where we can go and speak. We're in a body that we're surrounded by your love, your peace, your gentleness, your kindness, your mercy, your grace. And Lord, you've, you've provided us 
a savior. A savior to allow us to have a relationship with you. It's exactly what we need this day. Lord, I think of all of the physical needs that we have in this church and in this body and We just pray that you would give us the words, give us the wisdom, and give us the understanding, Lord, to come alongside and to love. Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart that that yearns and, and longs after you, that we may grow deeper in our faith, Lord, and that others may see your glory wherever we may go. Lord, I pray that you give us a heart heart of love, a heart of mercy, a heart of grace, one that is listening, one that is looking for ways to serve you, Lord. Lord, I just pray this day that you give us our daily bread. And he 
about our empty plates, bringing them to the Lord. I was just wishing that we could go around the room and just pass the mic and share of all the times this past week God has provided for you and for me. And I know we could fill the rest of our time up with stories. One moment that just came to my mind as we were singing was just God's providence. I had a conference last week out in Pittsburgh with some other pastors. Just so happened that that's where... um, uh, Ann Johansson, who we've been praying for, flew in from Sweden with Joe and Karen and was able to meet with them on Thursday afternoon and just pray and see her. And as we were praying, that's one of the needs I feel like today. If you could just remember Ann Johansson, is, she is battling for her life. She has an infection that's pretty serious. Her liver, kidneys are um, need to heal. And um, yeah, she is just in a tough spot and her mom and dad Joe and Karen have been with her I think we're coming up on around six weeks in the hospital just bearing the burden of caring for their daughter and the emotional strain of that as well so if we could just be lifting that this dear family up to the Lord that God is so faithful to provide just what we need our daily needs but then he gives us another guideline he says forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors And I'll be honest, I don't know if you felt this as you pray the Lord's Prayer. I don't understand why the Lord positions this part of the prayer where he does here. And someday when we get to heaven, I think I'll, might be one of the things I'll ask him is, is why did you wait until now to to put confession there? Because I want to put it at the start. I want to, as the prodigal son is coming home, my father, forgive me. But Jesus waits to this point, and I can't help but think it's a reminder of his grace, that we are always dirty before him or sin-filled before him. And, and yet in his grace and through the covering of Christ and what he did for us on the cross, we can come boldly as a little kid, even though we still have sinfulness that, that needs to be confessed. But it's humbling to think, too, as even as the Lord teaches us to pray, he knows there will never be a day or a prayer that, that we don't come with the need to repent. Every time we pray, we have a something that we need to confess. And 
So we pray, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And yet he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. When we confess, this is, it's important to remember that our, this isn't a prayer for salvation. We know salvation is a prayer that we, we need to ask the Lord for and, and come to, to him. If you haven't trusted Christ as your savior, that's the first step into a relationship with God, to trust what Christ did for you on the cross as your own, as sufficient, that he died in your place. And, and as you believe in him, your sin is forgiven. And in that moment, you're justified, we're, we're, means we're declared legally right before God forever. But we, as we do life, we continue to sin and we pick up, it's like dirt on our feet. And it's that picture of this is the washing away of that dirt. Sin always creates distance in our relationship with God and with each other. It disintegrates relationship. And so this is that provision by which we just survey our life. And is there anything that I am doing before God that I need to confess and ask his forgiveness? And what that does is it brings us back to, into intimacy with him and closeness with him. So once again, the picture that comes to mind in this, at this point is that dinner table with the Father Except the, the focus is not the plate full of food, but rather the people around the table and the relationships. And the first being the relationship with him. And just is there anything that needs to be confessed with him? But then he moves to, he says, and also as we have forgiven our debtors. So people, as people sin against us and as we hurt each other, are we offering the forgiveness that he's offered to us to the people in our lives, the people around the table? Who is it that I need to forgive? It's interesting that as a community of faith, we're a community of forgiven sinners who are forgiving one another, a, a forgiven people who are forgiving. And as we come to the uh, sacred time of communion today, the ordinance that Jesus gave us to, to remember him, he, um, he takes us to the cross and he reminds us of what he's done to us, for us, but he calls us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to... Um, Take a look at our relationships and make sure that we're okay with each other. Are there any broken relationships in my life that need to be reconciled? Any ways that I am not loving or um, offering his love to the people around me? We as the church are the body of Christ. And if there's a broken relationship, his body is broken. And so we want to with forgiveness, mend those relationships. And so as we come to communion today, we'll have our leaders go ahead and begin to pass out the elements. I um, just invite you to um, allow this time to be a time of confession with the Lord, but also thinking about your relationships. This coming year, as we set out to follow the Lord into what he's called us to do, we're only as strong as our unity. And Jesus prayed for our unity in John 17, but we've got to be one. And so... Um, this is a time, I think, to just say, hey, is there a relationship I need to pray over? I need to go offer forgiveness and seek to love. As uh, we take the elements today, we we'll, um, can just use this time as a prayer time, but then we'll, uh, we'll uh, have a, a leader pray over the bread that represents the body of Christ, and then I'll read scripture and we'll eat that together, and then the same with the cup.
time, Ross will lead us in prayer for this. Let's pray. Lord, as we take this bread, we remember that you are the bread of life. You left heaven and became one of us to offer your body on the cross as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You rose from the grave to give us eternal life and the hope we have when we will be reunited with you with imperishable, resurrected bodies. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we reminded, Lord, that we were dead in our trespasses, but because of your great mercy and love, we have been made alive. And it's because of your blood shed on the cross for us, Lord, that we can be forgiven, that we are redeemed, that we can stand new as a new creation. So, Lord, we come together today and we remember your sacrifice for us. We pray this in your name. The same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. fifth guideline that our Lord gives us as we come to him in prayer is simply this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the image that comes to mind here is getting up from that dinner table with him and walking to the front door and stepping out on the, onto the porch of a new day and a new, new uh, beginning and to live out the life mission that, that he's called us to. But what's interesting about this prayer is it's not with the soundtrack of Louis Armstrong's It's a Wonderful Life, but it's with the soundtrack of the sound of bullets flying. A battlefield is what we're stepping onto. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Reminding us that we live on a battlefield with a very real enemy. And uh, we need help. We need his deliverance in facing what's coming our way. We know that God doesn't tempt us. This um, James tells us he does not tempt with, with evil, but yet he allows us to be tested, our faith to be tested, our love to be tested, and allows trials to come that, that will test us. He, uh, the enemy of our soul is uh, on a short leash. He answers to, to our God, and yet we, we know through the story of Job that, that um, he is allowed to, he is roaming the earth now as a lion. And so our prayer is, Lord, deliver us from evil, from anything that would cause us to drift from you. It's interesting that over the years, the church has added to this prayer a doxology, which is fitting, and it's a great tradition. Maybe you've grown up um, or have said that the prayer added the part for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power 
forever and ever. Amen. And that is very fitting. But I, as I was thinking about this, Jesus doesn't add that. And I can't help but wonder why. And as I was thinking about where we are for our new ministry year, it's probably wise that we end it where Jesus ends it. I think about him in the garden with the disciples, and he just reminds them, guys, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And he ends his, his, this prayer and leaves us on a very sober note as we go out. It's a note of dependence, a note of, um, hey, there is a battle raging. Um, be watchful, be alert. You think about Peter's letter and just reminding us to, to be um, alert in the fact that, that there, it is a battle and um, seek the Lord's help and walk closely to him. And so today, as we, uh, as we end our time of prayer together, it's with a prayer of protection, a prayer of deliverance, a prayer of empowering. The challenge of the day is to pray like Jesus. As you think about um, our time together this morning, just a simple, Lord, help me pray as you prayed. And these five guidelines, may they become well, a well-worn template for us that lead us in, in our conversation with the Lord. As we think about praying like Jesus, may we see prayer not as a duty, but as a delight, as really a fostering and a commitment to our love relationship with our Father. May we allow these guidelines to uh, become a well-worn path of intimacy as we walk with God this, this coming ministry season, so that rather than being winded and weak and even spiritually sick, that we would know the joy as we pray like Christ of being strong to do the will that he's called us to do, fully alive in him, breathing, having the oxygen spiritually that we need to, uh, to follow him into the life that he's called us to this coming year. And so we'll go ahead, just take a moment to pray a, a prayer of uh, protection over your life, and then we'll, we'll continue to worship. Father, as we look into this coming year, into this coming day, it's with a singular prayer, and it's that we would be close to you, that nothing, that there would be no evil that would lead us from you. We pray that you would deliver us from temptations. We would even ask that you would take the temptations out of our lives and give us just a disgust for anything that is not of you, and take away our desires that, that would want an idol that cannot satisfy. I pray that you would just show us the, the lies that we're tempted to believe and, and let us see the truth. Lord, I pray for uh, your protection over each one of us, over each person in this room. God, would you just put up a wall of protection that keeps them close to you. I pray for each family in this room, God, that you would protect them, hold them close. Lord, we want to just walk with you until the day you call us home. And so this would be our singular prayer today. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Why don't we stand together and sing the song of victory?
encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.